All right, we're hanging out in the book of Matthew today. If you want to turn there, or you can should be able to go to the Bible app and find the verses we are talking about. First chunk of scripture we're at is Matthew 14, verses 15 through 19. Here's where we're going to be hanging out. That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. The famous feeding of the 5,000. Shortly thereafter, in Matthew 15, verse 36, he feeds the 4,000. So not as impressive. It's 1,000 less people, right? But he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food, who distributed the food to the crowd. All right, I have one question for you today. We're going to take just a couple minutes where you're at, and it is Thanksgiving this coming week, right? What are you thankful for? Here's our series. This is the last sermon in the Dangerous Prayers series. We had Search Me, Break Me, Send Me, and now today is called Thank You. So after we've been searched, broken, and sent into somewhere that's probably not always good, we're supposed to say thank you which can be difficult to do at times, right? I'm going to interchange words thank you and gratitude pretty interchangeably here, uh, just so you don't get confused. If I'm saying gratitude or thank you, it's probably going to be very similar, unless I note differently. Why do we give thanks or why do we bless the food before we eat? Do people here say a prayer before every meal that they eat? Why do you do that? Good provision. Yeah, okay. Cool. Does everybody here say a prayer before they get into their car so they can drive across the city? Uh, Does everybody say a prayer before they sit down on the toilet because they have clean water to do so? Uh, Or does everybody say a prayer before they brush their teeth because they can leave their water running the whole time? I guess I'm just saying these... I'm not saying if you have to go to the bathroom, you don't need to bless the toilet water before you sit down. But I'm just saying, is the, is the pre-meal prayer done because we're truly thankful, or is it done because it's a habit? Does anybody here have a common prayer that they say before every meal? Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen. Anybody have anything very similar to that? Very old. That's a classic. It's a classic. 
simple? Yeah. Simple. I hear tons of kids and adults even say these simple prayers that are beautifully written and memorized and and uh, it's a great tool, but does it really mean anything? Are you just saying it because that's what you're supposed to do as a good Christian? And I bet there's sometimes that there are. And routine is good. Routine is really good, but we can't just fall into the habit of saying stuff because that's what we should be doing. There's a prayer. I watched a show about preachers of Detroit. It's called Preachers of Detroit. And this guy, he, he would pray for a meal. He would sit down, and he would just sit there for a second, and he would say, amen. And that was his prayer. And then they started eating, and that threw a lot of people off. Brandon talks about, uh, probably over at the other camps, he's talking about, a, he used to do that. And it, it would freak people out. He would just sit there, and he would say, amen. And then people, he said he had one guy that said, well, that's not a very good prayer. Let me pray for real. You know, and then prayed over the food. Let me ask this question. What's the, when's the last time you said thank you to somebody? Think about it. When's the last time you said thank you? Mine was probably about six minutes ago before we sang a song. Maybe I'll remember the last time I said thank you. Yeah, okay. Good. Ah, so much gratitude. This is good. Most of you probably say thank you because you're polite people, right? And that's what you were told by your parents. And if you didn't say that, you probably got smacked in the back of the head. Maybe if you were me. <laughs> you said thank you. But again, I'm going to challenge you. Do you actually... Do you actually mean thank you? Or are you just saying it because that's the transactional thing you're supposed to do? Somebody hands you something, you say thank you. Good to go. You're a good citizen. See, the cynical person would say, like, okay, let me give you an example. I went and got coffee this morning. It's delicious. And the person handed me the coffee out the window. The cynical person would say, well, that's just their job. You know, I don't need to say thank you, or I'm saying thank you because you're doing your job. Good job, you got paid to hand me coffee. But an optimistic person might recognize that without that person handing me the coffee, I would have to get out of my cold car, turn it off, brave the new winter weather, walk inside, wait in line, talk to somebody, get my coffee, walk back out, make sure it doesn't like fumble all over the ground because I'm shivering, and then get in my car and waste five minutes of my life. So the optimist would say thank you because without them, it really wouldn't be a functioning society. I think a lot of times of, of uh, cleaning personnel, janitors and the like. And Have you ever been around somebody who says, just leave that mess that's the janitor's job to clean up? I have. I probably am not friends with them anymore because it's frustrating. Do you actually mean thank you when you say thank you? One more question. Is being thankful and being grateful the same thing? Is being thankful and being grateful the same thing? No, it's a question I struggled with like all week. So it's not a rhetorical question. I have my answer, but I'm just curious what you guys all think. 
Yeah, I think I kind of came to that same conclusion. What did you say, Kathy? Or did you say something? Nothing? Diana, what did you say? Yeah, there's an AJ you had your hand raised. Yeah. So I think we most of us agree that there is a difference somewhere in the two words. Back in the day, there was no difference, right? But this is 2016. So there is a difference. We have to look at it. Here's a quote: thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words. Gratitude is shown in acts. So this person, much smarter than I am, Henry Frederick Emil, Emil, M, I don't know what that country is, but. Thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words. Gratitude is shown in acts. kind of changes the way that we uh, interact with people, I think, that when you're thankful for something, here's, let me tell you, this is how I view the two difference. I think thank you has turned into a transactional thing. What I mean by that is you get something and you give a thank you back, or you give something back to show your thanks. Gratitude, I don't think, is necessarily something that you can quantify or even express all of the time. There are times when I have been grateful and even thankful to a point that I have no words to even to, like, get it out of me because it's so overwhelming. Because I think true thankfulness and true gratitude is overwhelming. It means that somebody loves you. We'll get to that point in a second. But taking time to honor God is something we should be doing every single day. Prayer before meals are important. They are important because we're thanking God for the provisions and the nutrition that has been provided for us and for the hands that have prepared it. But it's also important because it's a set time. Everybody eats. We can't live without eating, right? Some of us live more than others, right? But it's a set time that you know that before every meal you can take time to slow down and honor God and thank him for what he's done. So it's a good timing thing, right, to be able to say every meal, it's at least three prayers a day if you eat three meals a day. You're guaranteed to pray. But isn't that why Thanksgiving's coming up? I guess, why do we have a season called Thanksgiving? Why do we have a holiday called Thanksgiving? We know the pilgrims came and hang out with the Indians and the Native Americans right now because it's 2016. We celebrate that time. But what was that time really about? We look at it as a time to come together and eat a whole bunch of food with our crazy aunts and uncles. Right? I hear that. 
I guess, why, why isn't that us every day? We have supermarkets full of harvest. My supermarket is so big, it could probably feed like a small nation that I go to. It's massive. I have to plan an hour trip to go get milk to be able to walk to the back. So why do we take time out of a year to celebrate this time? Why is it important that we do that? I think it's important because it forces us to actually slow down and think about it. We often take things for granted. And when we take things for granted, we lose the meaning. So when we get to slow down and hang out with our family from all over the country, if you have a big family that has spread out, it's an opportunity to take time to show thankfulness towards one another. If we look back at Matthew 14, and this is the, I'll read this verse again. If you go back to, thank you. Uh, now Jesus heard this, he, oh, sorry. 15, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down at the grass and taking up the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. He spoke a blessing. Does anybody know what happens right before this story? Right before Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you have a cool Bible, it will tell you. In this, John the Baptist was beheaded. Pretty gruesome. Right? But John the Baptist, if you remember, is a pretty important person in the life of Jesus. For not being related, just that, but I mean, he baptized Jesus and he preached Jesus' coming. So Jesus hears of John the Baptist being beheaded, which is terrible. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then he fed them, fed all 5,000 people. Even in his time of hurt and sadness, Jesus had compassion. And he still blessed the food and turned to the Father to thank for provision and to provide for those around him. This can be difficult for people when they lose a loved one. It can be difficult to show compassion and to give thanks back to God. I understand that. I've been through loss. I've been through pain. But we still have to take time to turn back and say thank you to God. What does it mean to be thankful to God? Or how do we show that we are thankful to God? This is a question for you all. How do you show that you're thankful to God? You personally. You don't think you're thankful enough. I'm with you. I don't think I'm thankful enough either. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good habit to be into, I think. I have a couple of things on. I have just slow down and say thank you. I mean, how often do we go through a whole day that we have survived and just not said thank you? Life is crazy, right? Have you been out on the road when people drive at rush hour traffic? It is amazing that we survive. And, you know, death machines that weigh two tons going 70 miles an hour. I went to the zoo parking lot, or I was at the zoo, right before Christmas at the zoo on Friday night, and I tell you what, it's a good thing I'm a pastor because my, I, I can't believe humans have survived this long. Watching people navigate out of a parking lot was like the most difficult thing in the world. So it's amazing that we even get through the day and our bodies function so perfectly, right? All these trillions of cells inside of us work together to make us be able to think and breathe and eat and laugh and cry. How often do we just slow down and say, thank you. Thank you for that, God. When's the last time you had a conversation with God? And a conversation implies two ways, right? A lot of times we like to pray and just say our peace and then say, amen, I'll see you later. I'll see you tomorrow before, before breakfast. When's the last time you just talked and then you sat there and you listened? Silence is okay. You can, you can just let it be and listen for God. And when's the last time you spent time with God? Like reading who he is in the Bible, just singing worship songs. I mean, however you spend time journaling. Simple, right? Slow down, have a conversation, actually listen, and then spend time with God. Is it possible to disconnect what we feel here in our heart from what we feel here up here in our brain. I think it's absolutely possible. I think so many people walk through this world faking gratitude and thank, or faking thankfulness. And then I think there are a lot of Christians who do the same thing, who say thank you out of one side of their mouth and then curse a person out of the other side of their mouth. How do we make sure that if we are Christians trying to lead a holy life, that our heart and our brains are connected into one, that what we feel in our heart just overflows into true thankfulness and true gratitude? Because it has to start with being thankful and gracious to God for providing us life and providing a Savior for us to experience heaven when we're, when we're gone from this earth. What are some enemies of gratitude? Enemies or roadblocks, I'll use another word. What are some roadblocks to experiencing true gratitude? Greed, good one. Selfishness, that's another really good one. I think you took two, no, one of them. You put up the list. I, I, we came up with the list, and I'm not going to leave you hanging. Pride tunnel vision, self-centeredness, being critical of one another, and obligation. Pride is easy. If you have pride, you know, you just, it's easy to do everything on your own. Tunnel vision is an interesting one, and I think the one that sneaks up on us that we don't realize that we are actually in this process of tunnel vision. It's easy for us to, I use our church as an example, to get so focused on one mission 
say for example, uh, uh, the park. We're so focused on the park that we forget to pick our head up and look at the community around it to say, look how the community has changed. Look at how many people come out to our park now and come out to Oakdale Park and play and have a good time with their families. Look at how many people we have the opportunity to interact with that we never would have had an opportunity to interact with. Even if, even if they start out by destroying some of the park stuff. Even if they do that, that's an opportunity for us to pick up our head and say this park is not about us. This park is not about things. This park is about God and interacting with people because of the park. Tunnel vision is dangerous. Leaders get tunnel vision all the time. I am guilty of getting, if I get focused on a project, I have tunnel vision until it's done. I'm redoing the, the shower in my bathroom right now, and I spent, I kid you not, like weeks, weeks and weeks studying and watching videos and learning to prepare to do a three-day job. I probably could have like a master's in drywalling right now. I didn't have the expertise and the skill to do it yet. That's why I called in my man Dwayne here to, to show me the ropes. But all the theory and the logic behind it, I guarantee you, I could, I probably know more than the professional drywallers out there because I learned from all of them via YouTube. But that is tunnel vision. And at times, it's easy to do in work. Some people are workaholics. They get tunnel vision. They just, I got to get this project done. I got to get this project done. And they forget to pick up their head and look around and say, well, Dan, I'm losing time with my family. Maybe it's not that important to get it done by Thursday. Maybe I can push it off until Friday. Self-centeredness, obviously, that's another word for selfish. It is easy to be not thankful when you think it's owed to you already. That's the problem when you go to, like, a restaurant and you think that people are there to serve you, all right? But you're really just in a transactional model. You don't have to go there. And if you're being rude, they don't have to serve you. Surprise. You know, like if you cuss at a fast food worker, they can kick you out. Just have a little bit of grace among you. Being critical of one another. Oh, man. This is one I'm really guilty of, too, and especially in the realm of music, right? I, I went to school for music. I played in worship bands. I listen to a lot of music, and I'm very critical. So if I go to a church and they have bad music... I am, I can't be grace, I can't, it's difficult for me to be thankful for their music program when they're like singing wrong notes. But maybe that's all that they have. And you know what, maybe, maybe they get down to that. I have an example for a church I used to go to, I played in their worship band, and uh, their music style was not my music style. It was very old style uh, not very contemporary, but it was contemporary instruments, if that makes sense, right? They were stuck in the early 90s, and it was 2000s, and I wanted to put some more electric guitar in and have some louder drums and all the stuff us young kids want to do. And I left, and I have some friends that still go back to that church that felt the same way, and they're very critical every week. But they say things like, man, these little old ladies were like shaking their booty and getting down and j dancing and stuff. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe you need to find a different church because they're obviously doing something and are very thankful that people are putting on this great music to worship to. What's blocking you? That's, and so that's a hurdle I have, been, I have been clearing myself as I am now no longer really a worship leader all the time. I'm a pastor. So that's helped a little bit that I can be a little bit more lax. Don't be critical of one another. An obligation. This is an interesting one. Enemies of gratitude is a feeling of obligation. How many people here, uh, 
If somebody just gives you $20, just I'm going to pay for your lunch, how many people here feel obligated to pay for their lunch or pay them back within like a week? That's a social norm, pay back within a week. Has anybody here ever felt like, or ever gotten, you don't have to raise your hand, gotten a bigger donation or had their groceries bought for a week and then felt uncomfortable because you felt like you owed that person? Yeah, it is. Being helped and being provided for can be really uncomfortable, especially if you're somebody who was able once to provide for themselves and they're no longer. Very often when somebody has surgery or they have a death in the family or uh, any number of major life events, we have a meal train within like 12 hours. We are, that's a church, we have a meal train system ready to go. And some people are uncomfortable with people making food for them. I'll tell you right now, if you ever make a meal train for me, I'm gonna, I'll be so comfortable with you guys bringing me food. I'm sure Colleen will too. But it's, it's uncomfortable because we can cook for ourselves. You know what I mean? I was just joking about that because I can cook for myself. I can clean. So it's uncomfortable because I feel obligated then to pay back what somebody has given me. But here in the church, we're a family, whether you like it or not, right? We are a family at this campus. We're a family with us in the Oregon campus. We're a family in Northwest Ohio of believers. We're a family of believers in this denomination. We're a family of believers in the holiness movement. And we're a family of believers for everybody in this world who believes in Jesus Christ. And as a family, we're called to care for one another. So you're going to have to swallow your pride sometimes and let somebody bake you a casserole and enjoy it, whether you like it or not. And that's okay because you're not obligated to pay them back. We shouldn't be looking to loan people stuff in the church and bring it back. It is, even in this church setting, even in a traditional church setting, the traditional model is come to church on a Sunday morning, be fed the word, get up, and leave. When we start becoming real with each other, we start feeling obligated to one another. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does prevent us from being grateful. Let me ask this. Have you ever owed somebody money that you have started to avoid because you don't have the money to pay them back? I did in high school a lot, but not anymore because I don't like to. <laughs> but the problem, I think, with feeling thankfulness and feeling gratitude, this feeling is uncomfortable because it might mean, it may mean that somebody loves you and cares for you outside of just, I see you on a Sunday morning. When you see the same person bringing you a meal week after week because you've been laid up in the house and not been able to get to the grocery store, maybe that person isn't doing it out of obligation to the church, but it's because they actually care about you and they actually love you. And in the church, we're a room full of broken people. We're a body of broken people. And not all of us have been loved in a way that makes sense or at all. So when somebody shows you love and somebody shows you caring, it can be uncomfortable. I want to end with this. I'm grateful for God because, and this is your question to answer to yourself, or if you feel so moved, we have pens and paper over there in the next two songs if you feel like you want to answer that so I can see it. That would be cool. But I'm grateful for God 
because I wrote, let me give you my answer. I'm grateful for God because he created a perfect wife for me. I am thankful he blessed us with a beautiful baby girl and a new baby on the way. I'm even grateful that he was a comfort during our miscarriage. I'm thankful he blessed me with musical gifts that have led me to this point in my life. I'm grateful that God has put a group of people in East Toledo who believe in the kingdom of God and that everyone has the opportunity to experience that glory, no matter if they don't know it yet. I'm grateful for all the pain I've experienced. And, and in that pain, every time God has been there to be bigger than any hurt or any issue that I could have ever experienced on this side of heaven. That's why I'm grateful for God. Gratefulness can be expressed, we express it every week when we sing a song. It seems when we get smaller, we get louder, so that's awesome. We're going to sing two more songs, but gratefulness is expressed through music, prayer, our actions, and in giving. So how are you grateful for God? Would you stand with the church so we can, uh, I'll pray and then we'll sing some songs. Father God, thank you. I am eternally grateful for, for, the, for the opportunity to walk with you and to be led by the Spirit. Because without it and without you, I would be, I would be lost and wandering in the darkness. Lord, I thank you for these people in this room. I thank you for the message that was brought this morning. And I'm thankful for these group of believers who believe in East Toledo, but more importantly, believe in the kingdom of God that it is for everybody, not just some people. Thank you again for your son. That's a debt that can never be repaid. Lord, so we just ask that you lead us in the way that is righteous, in the way that is according to your will and not according to our will. Lord, you've searched us, you've broken us, you've sent us. And in the midst of all that reforming of us, thank you for taking the time to invest in us and not just pushing us off to the side. In your son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.